0: Hi, this is Rick from Blockbuster Billboard, and I wanted to kind of add a couple of notes before you listen to the upcoming podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago about Greece. Now, as most of you probably know, Olivia Newton John left us just a little over a week ago. And at the time that we recorded the Greece episode, it was not meant to be a tribute to anybody other than the movie itself. However, that has changed as we publish this episode after now the death of Olivia Newton-John. It has become sort of a homage to her and her career and her influence on it. And I hope you enjoy this two-part episode as we just couldn't stop talking about Greece. I'll let uh, Felicia talk a little bit about what Olivia Newton-John meant to her and this episode. And then... I hope you enjoy this two part episode about Greece. Thanks,
1: Rick. Um, I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to talk about the extremely important impact that Olivia Newton John's career had on my life, especially as a performer. Um, Some of this we'll get to. In another podcast when when we cover um another film of hers but her her roles and her music and her person have completely been like an inseparable part of my journey as a performer and i am so so sad to hear of her passing and it it is it is really strange to think that we're now in a world where where she is not, um, but I'm also so grateful that by happenstance we were, you know we got to talk about Greece and got to talk about this this long lasting legacy that she like, it, it would not have been the same without her, and I'm so glad that we were able to put forth an episode and to honor her and um, so yes, so dedicated to Olivia Newton John. Thank you.
2: Everything. Well, hello everyone. This is Felicia Sky and Rick Knight, and this week, Greece is the word. Oh, I'm so excited to be doing this one. Um, so, yes, we are covering the 1978 classic Greece um, and I'm really excited to uh, to tackle this one with you.
0: I'm just glad that we're all back in person again after the many many weeks of of COVID isolation and oh gosh and just everything going on. It's it's just it's so good to be back and I can actually look across and see you and it's not this funky phone thing.
2: I know, and it's so nice. Like I like even having a proper setup again. So if our listeners can tell, there's a big qual- like quality difference between uh, weird science and this one. it's really nice to be to be back with you sir and yeah doing this in person and just so excited to, to jump into I don't know what I would consider maybe like the number one movie/ soundtrack that comes to mind when you talk about famous film soundtracks. Um, so yeah like usual let's go ahead and jump into a few fun factoids. Um, okay. Greece opened June 2nd, 1978 um, at Mann's Chinese Theater. And within weeks, it was number one at the box office. And then the soundtrack, of course, skyrocketed up the charts. Um, You're the one that I want, sitting at number one for many weeks. And as of today, it sold 28 million copies, making it one of the most successful movie soundtracks of all time, if not the most successful of all time.
0: Now I know it's up there with Saturday Night Fever, and we and we did that was our first one. Yes. And when I talked with our fan uh, a little <laughs> little while back, um, he was very excited to hear that one. And I, and actually that was our first fan. I think maybe we have like three fans now.
2: What we have so. tripled.
0: And we Tri- couldn't have done it without all you. And that's a big thing for us is being able to get this out there and sort of share the enjoyment that we have out of these soundtracks and talking about it and or just a couple people that like to talk in general so i think this is a really good venue for us to be able to do this but saturday night fever i think i had read was number one well i mean the the bodyguard is like by and far like i think the most popular ever but saturday night fever was was up there this came out around the same time and it was a huge I mean this was like the kind of the beginning of the era of the soundtracks, right? So we had late 70s into into the 90s, really where I mean, like you said, you're the one that I want was was number one. Uh, Greece, the song of Frankie Valley mm-hmm. that was the uh, wasn't like wasn't in the film sung by the actors. It was in the beginning of the ending of it also hit number one. Uh, Summer nights hit number five and Hopelessly devoted hit number three and that's so that's you know like a saturday night fever had four songs that actually i think i ended up with more than that but that were in the top five this is another one that had four that were in the top five so it was i can imagine and i don't really remember i was really really young at that time but i can imagine that anywhere you're going with the radio you're hearing either saturday night fever music or or grease music at one time and that would have been a a fun existence to have had uh, back in back then.
2: Oh man. Yeah, no, you're completely right. I think this would have been absolutely everywhere. Um, I mean, even from a, like a financial standpoint, the film had a budget of 6 million and had a $400 million return, which, which is a, a formula that Hollywood has tried to replicate many times. And I don't think any movie musical has ever, has ever been that successful to this day. And yeah, it was on the radio. It was on billboards playing in every theater conceivable. Like this thing was just like Saturday Night Fever, a juggernaut. Like it took over pop culture and it's still like, I mean, it's still so embedded to this day. It's amazing.
0: And I think the huge thing about it, movies, especially in that, in that era were, you know, today there's so many different ways to advertise a, a film and, a lot of it is not word of mouth and mm-hmm. back then there there was i mean you had the trailers on tv you had the trailers before you saw the movies the previews things like that and then you had the soundtracks which were marketing tools they really were because everybody listened to the radio so when you heard those songs and they were big on on the radio you would hear you know the dj would come on and be like hey that's uh you're the one that I want. That's off the Grease soundtrack. Make sure you get out there and check that out this weekend. You know, like that kind totally. of thing and and that would drive people into the theaters were these songs. So that's why soundtracks were so important. It, it is they were they were also just another tool to get that movie out and under in Know, out into the public and get people out to to see it,
2: yeah. no. And that was um like you said, such a big part of the marketing dropping you know, singles off of the soundtrack leading up to the film's release or even in its like early days at the theater. Um, I think they dropped "You're the One That I Want" as one of the lead singles off of the soundtrack, and it garnered like tons and tons of popularity. I can't even imagine how many people decided to go to the movies just from hearing like "Summer Nights" or "Hopelessly Devoted to You" or any of those on the radio.
0: And, and they did drop the soundtrack. The the album actually came out before the movie was did released.
2: Did the whole thing come out? Okay. So
0: that that helped too, because you're now building that anticipation too. Especially since it was a a a popular broadway show that they were adapting into a film. Uh, so they were already it was already sort of out there known. So adding the music and adding that element out into the airwaves before the film came out I think just helped build that anticipation. Which, totally. Which it, which worked um for for this because it was it was a huge success in that in that in that summer. Uh, June is a good month. So I mean that was back at the summer blockbusters which you know, during the COVID era, um, we haven't seen as much that kind of came out, but we, Maverick, we have one this year. Oh. Maverick is a, is a summer blockbuster, but it's been a while since we've had something.
2: Like a proper, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And it's it's amazing, like what a coup for John Travolta. Um, Grease was actually part of a three movie deal he had with Paramount. And the first one out of those three films was Saturday Night Fever followed up by Grease. And so for him, I mean, two like home runs just set him up for complete stardom. And he was so good in Saturday Night Fever, but I feel like John Travolta didn't become John Travolta until Grease. I feel like that solidified his superstardom. People were watching him singing and dancing. Um, and he just, yeah, it, it made him who who we know him as.
0: Well, that was a great time for him uh, because of the not only Saturday Night Fever and Greece, but, you know, Urban Cowboy, too. Oh, my gosh, right? Urban and then, Cowboy. And that may be one that we feature in the, uh, feature in the future oh, man, as well. Oh, man, that'd
2: be crazy to revisit.
0: Because it's, a, uh, it's another one of those kind of era like, it really tells a good story of that era, sort of mm-hmm. like Saturday Night Fever does. And, you know, of course, Greece is, is set in 1958, I think, is the, the year.
2: 58 or 59, yeah.
0: And, and that is a you know, also an era piece. But it's those Urban Cowboy and Saturday Night Fever are era pieces, not on purpose. They just happen to be good capsule time capsules of things going on there. Greece was trying to capture a sort of a more innocent time. I mean, there was a, there was an era of nostalgia in, in the late 70s that was going on, and mm-hmm. yeah, part of it came from American graffiti, which which led into things like Happy Days and uh, Laverne and Shirley and those types of things which were set in the 50s, and that was a big, big thing. So, you know, a lot of that nostalgia from, especially coming out of the late 60s and that, that kind of tumultuous social time and political time, people were kind of yearning for that more innocent time. And this is not an innocent film. I mean, if you listen to the song, we'll be talking quite a bit, but, (laughs) but, uh, but to them, it was a, uh, know, more veiled references to sure. things as opposed to now, which is just very much in your face.
2: Well, and for me, this is so fun because this is officially our first uh, movie musical. And we'll see as we go along how many of these truly qualify for the parameters of this podcast. Um, but with my, you know, me being a theater kid, I like I'm so excited we get to jump into a, a, a musical. But I think to understand the movie You truly do have to understand the origins of the musical and it's exactly what you're saying, you know, coming out of a really tumultuous social time, a lot of unrest, a lot of repercussions socially and mentally, physically from the war. And, you know, people, the writers of the show really just wanted to go back and recapture a time that felt a little bit more innocent and fun and playful and I could do an entire podcast just on the origins of, of the musical Grease. Um, but yeah, it really was birthed out of that place. And that's what made it so popular, is that it lo- allowed people to escape back to this time and just kind of have, quote unquote, like, good old clean fun, even though ironically, it's it's so incredibly not clean. It's right. hysterical. <laughs> um, but I But that is then, in essence, what they wanted to bring to the movie. But they also had to make a ton of changes from the show to the film
0: and they did and some of the songs uh, changed as well and uh, is there was and i don't know this maybe you know this so was, Ooh, let's see how many actors were in the play on broadway that were also in the movie is it just the one or two
2: there's only two that i know of okay. um jeff conway who plays kaniki in the film but on broadway he was danny Zuko. That's right. They brought him on and then actually John Travolta was on like in Greece on Broadway and yeah. he played duty. Um, he auditioned the first time and he was like 16 years old and they really liked him, but he didn't quite make the cut. And then about a year later he came back around for auditions and they were like, yeah, we really like this kid. And they, yeah, they put him, put him in the show. So he actually had, you know, like had a history with Greece and with Jeff before they ever, you know, ended up getting cast in the movie, which I had no idea. I, I didn't know that Travolta did any stage work.
0: Hmm. And I had heard that it was, it was just, that uh, it was just two. So I'm glad that you knew that because I was just guessing and that worked out really well, but it, it it's really hard to imagine. Uh, Kenickie or Jeff Conway being playing anybody other than Kenickie. Cause he just plays it so well. Oh my God. Film. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's his role. He owns that role. And same thing with John Travolta as Danny. It's just, that's that's him. And, you know, it's it's so hard when we go back and see things. It's like almost when, like, you, you think of uh, then one of them was Back to the Future and that they actually shot scenes with Eric Stoltz in that before Bright. Michael J. Fox took over.
2: Oh, Back to the Future. And, yes. Another conversation for another
0: day. Yes. But, I mean, it's just, it's just a good, another example of, like, when you see people who are doing a different different role than what they've ended up doing and it's like man, that just seems so like they were so perfect at it that it it's so hard to imagine that being anything else but those characters
2: and this will i think come up in the conversation too just the casting and how they really really got this so right um and especially when you're talking about you know jeff conway and john travolta but then also olivia newton john in the original musical sandy is american um, and, you know, when they decided to bring Olivia on board, they just decided to change, you know, to change the script so that she could be Australian. Um, and it's another role that you're like, I cannot imagine anybody else bringing to that character into the music what Olivia did. Like, they're just synonymous. They they go together. <laughs>
0: they do. And, it, and it, I think in on the play now, I've never seen the production of the okay. play. So I'm going to I'm just going out from what I know. But she, it was either in the Chicago version or on the Broadway version, which they made changes from Chicago to Broadway, and then okay. from Broadway to
2: I did not know that to the
0: movie. Yeah, it started in in Chicago,
2: right? Uh, okay, I yes, okay. It started very small, and it yes. it it grew into this huge, huge success.
0: And they had uh, different names for like the the T words were the Hamburger Palace Boys or something like that. It was <laughs> it's something very Chicago and and that type of thing, but. Um, I think she was a Polish family in in that, and, oh, okay. And she was going to a parochial school, and Danny was lied to her and said that he was going to Lake Lake Forest Academy or something, which is a uh, uh, real academy in a wealthy part of Chicago. And so he he told her that, and that's how they find they get to the school, and they find out that he was lying about being rich, and then she this whole thing. So they decided to pull her out of the the Saint. I don't know St. Mary's or whatever the name of right. it is, and and bring her there. And that's that's how it kinda of sets up and and that. So a very different mm. um, thing and I think obviously I, I think I prefer the version that I see in the movie, but it's just kind of one of those things they just changed that
2: well and i'm glad you said that because i have i've never seen it done professionally um but i i went back after i graduated high school i went back you know a few years later and they were doing it and they did a really really great job but i was like you know in terms of the story pacing the characters even the song placement and the song changes 100 percent grease the movie i mean you know what subscribe and come come fight with me about this but 100 percent, the uh, the movie is bar none better than the show
0: actually if you really want to fight with felicia get into a a argument about greece too oh, and about oh. how she thinks that that's actually better than the first one
2: i okay to clarify that's, that's a fighting to, to to clarify greece the original greece is like it is such it is such a well made, succinct, great, fun musical. It's just it's so it's just good all the way around. It's a it's a good movie, it's good material, it's a classic. And again, maybe maybe I'll get a wish one day and we'll do a, a podcast on this. But Grease Two is oh, it it is like in my top three favorite movies of all time. But for very different reasons than Grease One. I think the original Grease is also spectacular, and they're on totally different rating scales. But yes, Gre- Grease Two Forever, uh, Grease Two Forever. Same.
0: I told you, but
2: we, <laughs> I we, knew this was going to come we, up. We've,
0: we've got it. well, then she was prepared for it too. So, it, <laughs> so we've got we've got a couple of these films that are going to come up. If you if you keep listening, keep subscribing, keep watch, uh, listening to our our weekly or our regular, chatter or whenever we we get these things out. Uh, you will hear some in, in the future. And one of the ones that's going to come up, and I know this, and we already have like two other people who want to guest host on this one, is oh. Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh. And that's another one that she's oh. going to have this one versus two battle. So stay oh, I, tuned for that.
2: I've, oh, the the idea that started it all, which we'll get into when we finally get to that episode, it'll yeah. be so cool when we do. But yes, I'm, I'm ready to stand on this hill. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Back to Greece. Um, I guess all of this is a is a pretty good segue into before we start pulling apart the movie and the soundtrack. Um, what were your first experiences or experience watching the movie, hearing the songs? Like, do you remember when you first were exposed to Greece?
0: Yeah, actually, I, I this was a this was something that goes way. I mean, way back. I mean, as a little kid.
2: Well, you're old, so it yeah. would have to go way. Way, way back.
0: Yeah, way back. Way back. So old. Shoot. Let's go run a race right now. I'll uh, uh, uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> take. All, all right.
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> only up to two miles. But uh, <laughs> so that's all I go. <laughs> and then I have to walk another mile and a half. But oh. the. So I, I remember back, it was on syndication a lot. On like Sunday afternoon movies. They used to. Used to be lazy on a sunday afternoon and the and the television the networks the the talkies used to uh have these movie packages that they would buy and you could buy them from the studios pretty cheap and that's why you always saw like the same six films or whatever you'd buy them all as one package and and then you would then the movie uh the tv stations would just broadcast those um and local stations could buy these packages. So you had like Sunday afternoon movies. And Greece was one of the ones that I remember from the mid eighties being on these packages. And and it it was always just I just the, the songs were so infectious and I didn't even really follow the story that well. It was just the songs were infectious. I always loved the song Grease by Frankie Valley. Mm. And that's probably actually I I remember that one being earlier for me like remembering that from the late 70s early 80s i mean i have vague memories from that time because i'm not that old i'm old but i'm not that old it's okay rich and see here we go again and it was (laughs) it was one of those that was always on 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 the radio because that was a barry gibb barry gibb of of the Bee Gees wrote that song
2: yes yes he did
0: and barry gibb had so much on the radio back in those days, so it was it was a very much a, a a thing that you could just turn on your radio and then you would hear these things. And I remember watching Grease very frequently, just because I could sit there and not pay attention. I could just sit there and listen to the to the music and not have to be like I could be on my little Coleco stupid little football game, or I could be reading a magazine or something, and it could be on in the background. And I'd know by the music where it was in the film and what was going on, and it was really just—I mean—the soundtrack was just so good. I mean, it was a double album. That's how—that's how good the, the soundtrack was on it. So, uh, like twenty-something songs, twenty-four, but, yeah, twenty-four
2: songs. It's—it's it's long.
0: And, and the only thing that's frustrating about that is that it's not in order in the film. It's only oh, yeah. in a couple, like three places. It's not in, in the. I right say order.
2: we'll talk about that. Yeah, it
0: is. But it's. Uh, it, it was just one of those that it was like i didn't have the soundtrack but i could listen to it anytime that that was on and i just the songs were just so great and even for a a young kid like i was at the time it was just just great to just sort of be able to sit there and zone out and you know my my daughter loves the film now i mean that that speaks to the timelessness of it is uh is that it's even this generation gen z um which you're old too. So at least you're <laughs> old to somebody. I'm, I'm,
2: yes, compared to her, I am I am an oldie <laughs> as is. well. So a senior, a a elder.
0: And but even then it, the songs just just speak to to people. And I think that's kind of the the great the great part of it was that was my initial impression of it or exposure to it.
2: Okay. Well um Here's the thing, you know, kind of touching back on this, you know, Grease 2 love that I have. I don't think anything could ever dethrone the original Grease. It was actually my first movie musical ever. And my parents had it on VHS. It was one of my mom's all-time favorite movies. She saw it 12 times in the movie theater and had it. And I saw it probably a lot younger than I should have seen. I was probably six or seven the first time I saw it. And I became obsessed I would I would watch it over and over and I would be dancing around the living room and like trying to follow the choreography and like singing all the songs and everything. Um, even to my mom's chagrin because sometimes I'd be like mimicking something that I didn't realize was inappropriate. <laughs> but she'd be like, "Ah, please don't do that." Um, the Danny
0: pelvic thrust,
2: yeah, and like the little like the cellophane bit, and I was just like, "I'm just doing what they do." Um, and I just and ever since that age, like Greaser Sandy. Obsession. She's fantastic. And I just, yeah. So Grease was a really, really formative movie and a formative soundtrack. Um, so much of my childhood is wrapped up in that. And I just, I love it so much for that.
3: John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, Grease, a Broadway smash that made theatrical history by becoming one of the longest running musical comedies of all time breaks loose on the motion picture screen. John Travolta, the sensational star of Saturday Night Fever, ignites the screen in Greece. does it all with Olivia Newton-John in her motion picture debut. out <laughs> the Cheer up. Uh, Hickey from Kanicki's like a Hallmark car You pay. I love it when you talk. You? John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John explode across the motion picture screen. In Greece, the movie filled with more song, more dance, more of everything that makes a great musical unforgettable. John Travolta and Olivia Newton John together for the first time in Greece. All
2: right, so with all that being said, because um, I could just go on and on about the nostalgia of this movie and how much it, like, like I was saying just a second ago, how how formative it was with with my upbringing and me getting interested in musical theater. Um, I, I say let's just start diving into the soundtrack in the film because I think both of both of our enthusiasm will will definitely come out as we just start pulling it apart piece by piece.
0: And if nobody's noticed this before or doesn't know this from listening to our previous two episodes, which again our last one was the is the finest one you'll find i think this one's going to be even better that's just my opinion
2: always peaking
0: yeah it's just a constant uphill uh, like we're just vectored up (laughs) so felicia is a bit of a a theater person Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you got this from any of the discussions we've had on here so She's going to come from a from a different perspective than I am, which I'm a musician. So it's it's and I was a radio guy, in case you can't tell sometimes. But that was it, it's just a much different kind of perspective on things like this, because I look at it from a completely different point of view. And and, and I and I enjoy listening to her talk about her theater experience, because the only theater experience that I have and you're talking about nostalgia was I played Richie Cunningham, in the eighth grade play. And it was a musical. And I had to sing for it. Yes.
2: Wait, what? Yes. What? Okay. Hold hold the show, folks. What are we talking about? You played Richie Cunningham?
0: Darn right I did.
2: Oh, my good God. I'm living. Please tell me more. Tell me more. you want to
0: know how good I was? Oh, I I, I do. I
2: absolutely do.
0: Like I said, there may or may not be video existing of (gasps) this out there. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I didn't even try out for it. They came to me to ask me, and, and I'll, t- I'll tell this. I'll tell this story <laughs> because this is this is you know this is my this is where I peaked.
2: Never stop talking about this. please.
0: <laughs> my theater experience peaked in eighth grade. <laughs> I was in a music class, and that was the, the person, the teacher who was putting that together, uh, the play was the same person who taught our chorus and and music and stuff like that. So I was in music class and. They had had auditions, and the guy who was going to play Richie Cunningham came. Like he missed, I think he broke his arm or something, and he had to do you know, it was complete Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip type thing, you know. Yeah. And, and he 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 broke his arm. He couldn't show up for like three rehearsals, so they had to have somebody stand in. And I was like, I'll stand in, you know, while they're while they're doing this. And I was so good. This is this is true that they. Fired him when he came back. Like, yeah, i don't want you anymore. They made him my understudy, and then I, then I took over and and was Richie Cunningham for it. And we had to sing these songs, and we had a cool little set, and it was it was cool. I had two, and I had to, you know, there was adversity too. Of course, there was. There was drama because the the Lori Beth had had a uh, strep throat or something the night the night of the first show there were two shows there was the first night and the second night and she had Lori Beth so her understudy had to go on and i had to work with her and then then she recovered for the second one so i had two Lori beths so i had two female leads in two nights it was it was such a, a theater thing but uh <laughs> it, it was it was really great it was we had you know potsy and the whole gang and everything but it was it was it was fun i had a good time but that's <laughs> That's my experience.
2: I don't know what else I need in life at this point. You need to see the video,
0: I'm guessing. Well,
2: yeah, that that might be like the finishing touch to a (laughs) perfect existence. Um, So was this like an originally written thing by your drama teacher? Or is there an actual official Happy Days, like stage play mini musical kind of thing?
0: I I think there's an official thing. They that he it was it was back then I think you you got these magazines or the catalogs for, for the drama teachers. Right. And it would list like all the available plays that were out there that you could purchase, you know, for licensing, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I know it came with sheet music, it came with all the scripts. Okay, it was yeah. like a package. Then it must of, have been of official, yeah, yeah. The
2: full the full Monty. I love that you also like Harrison Ford did this role. Like you just did the Han Solo thing and you're like I know it was just a stand in, but turns out they couldn't they couldn 't do better than me
0: that's wow. a fact
2: Wow, yeah.
0: wow it was great too and i got i have I have the reviews I still have the yearbook
2: <laughs> the reviews
0: and the, uh. the yearbook has well from my, student, my peers
2: yeah they're, that's
0: they're right in there you were the best Richie, and literally they wrote that off to bring that to, to one <laughs> oh, of our recordings. Right. But it oh. was uh, it was a good time and- ladies
2: and gentlemen, I'm floored that <laughs> what wow what a nugget what an unearthed gem of a fact you're welcome i I can't thank you Wow, but I can kind of I mean I feel like if you were rocking this kind of look you know back in those days I can I can see where they got that from
0: I, I grew my hair out longer than uh now cuz of the you know my military and all that being yeah. in the air force I I keep it a lot shorter now than I did back then but it's uh i mean it was similar look so and and i just enjoyed myself now what i'm not the greatest singer so i i can carry a tune to to an extent yes you
2: can but, yes you can
0: but um yeah, when they wanted me to sing for this thing i was kind of like okay I'll sing.
2: Well, was it, like, a Grease situation? Like, were you doing, like, covers of just, like, classic 50s music? Or was it, like, a like did it have its own special, unique, happy days?
0: It was all original. Wow. It was stuff like... Uh, well, except, lo- like, lollipop. There was, like, lollipop, lollipop. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I love that song.
0: That was one of the songs on there. But then there was stuff like... Uh, oh, man. It, it, it was... My folks went to the movies. They left the house to me. Like there's this whole thing, rock right, rolling down. <laughs>
2: <It> was... <laughs> oh, we need a revival of this show. Anyone out there? Like, <laughs> let's do let's do Happy Days the musical. But I don't know. Like, I feel like Happy Days is kind of an interesting point because, again, a show I, I grew up watching with my parents and stuff. And like, the, again, this 50s nostalgia kind of thing. Like, it it is just so much fun. And it is light and fluffy and bubbly, and it you just kind of smile through through the whole thing, just like in Greece. Like, there's I've just never seen an iteration of like that '50s nostalgia film that didn't give you a bit of like those warm the warm fuzzies. People just love it. I love it.
0: Well, and I think that's why it's why Greece Greece. You don't have to understand everything that's going on because the melodies and the catchiness and the hooks really draw you in on on the songs and everything. So. It's the reason why, when my daughter was four years old, she could watch, she could watch Greece, and I was fine with that. until she got to be about like ten years old, and I was like, okay, from ten to fourteen, you're not watching it, and then, <laughs> and then now she can watch it again. But it was, it's, it's kind of like because you, if you, when you don't understand it, you just hear the music, and the music's so great that it's, you know, it's real easy. It's no big deal. I don't, I, I don't worry about her being corrupted by it. But it was just. I think that's just kind of what draws you in. It's just it's just that that thing, and now she just loves it for what it is.
2: Well, and again, I, I'm I'm really excited to jump into this whole
0: idea of we should probably do that of Greece. <laughs> we should probably start talking about this film. Yeah,
2: we probably should. <laughs> Let, let's start talking about the movie Greece. Um, but yeah, I remember when I you know when I first watched it when I was like a little bit older, maybe I had taken some time away from Greece, hadn't seen it in a while, and I think I watched it like my freshman year of high school, and it was. It was so hysterical, I'm sure, to watch me be like, whoa, like it just dawning on you. Like how many like how many adult moments are in this movie and how many lyrics? And I just was like, I felt like I was watching a whole new movie because I finally got it And through my whole childhood. It just went right over my head.
0: Well, and that starts I mean, we're getting into it. It starts right off the bat, like yeah. right off the very like the very beginning He's like, "Well, I'm ever gonna see you again," and he goes in with like the really like I'm gonna be aggressive and we're gonna make this moment count and um, you know that that part yeah and that's just right that's right off the beginning and she goes, "What are you doing?" and he's like, "Oh, come on, baby," you know, like that yeah, kind yeah. of thing and 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 then it, that ties into well, when we get into uh, summer loving or summer nights, sorry, and uh, that's that fits in with that, and if you you gotta kind of those two pieces together at least I I did you know where it's like where, did you put did she put up a fight type of thing it's like yeah oh, actually she did
2: we're gonna talk we're gonna <laughs> yeah, talk about so. all of that oh that yes and I just even from like a costuming perspective I found it interesting that this whole opening sequence of them on the beach they have Danny in like like this pastel blue like sweater sweater overshirt <laughs> thing and yeah. like it's the only time he ever has like this more innocent kind of aesthetic like it's the only time he matches her in her, like, in her innocent kind of look. And then the it's funny that the movie kind of bookends with then her changing and then them also matching up. But just two very, very different, different aesthetics from the beginning of the movie to the end. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, he gets kind of aggressive and, and she's like, no, stop it. Like, I, you know, and they, they share some dialogue. And then we get into this opening sequence with the theme, which... It turns out that when they were first trying to or thinking about turning Greece into a movie, there were many, many iterations and conversations about what that would look like and how to make it work. And one studio actually proposed the idea of doing it as an animated film. And it was really bizarre, like, I'll have to send you the video, but they had some really weird ideas. And I think they wanted Danny to like die at the end and it, it was so so strange but i can't help but wonder if this whole opening cartoon sequence is maybe kind of an homage to to that idea um because the you know frankie valley singing a barry gibbs song and then all of these cartoons introducing the cast and everything i it's so great i i don't know if i've seen another movie from that time period that had an opening sequence like it but it's really really good it holds up so well
0: and it Frankie Valli was chosen uh, to sing that song because at the time that Grease was set, Frankie Valli was a popular, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons were, mm-hmm. were popular at that time. Yep, And so he was chosen specifically for, for that reason and because his voice matched, uh, well, it didn't match, but it, but it lined up uh, with uh, Barry Gibb's own voice so it was mm. it was easy for him to convey that and it sounded very similar to how he recorded it
2: and it's it's so interesting because again it completely works sonically um within the film but it very much has a like a 70s vibe like you can tell that this song is written out of place with the rest of the music from the movie and yet it just i i completely buy it i really it's it's perfect it's
0: perfect and it's interesting too when you see the uh during the opening credits, when you see the Danny's animated, sorry, that I did it too. You're I'm just good. hitting the mic stands.
2: We're just, just sloppy.
0: Well, you see, you see Danny's opening sequence, everything with the hair, and and it's it's very rough, and his his apartment's rough, or his room's rough, and then you get Sandy's, where it's basically with like, like the snow animals in- and. <laughs> getting like, oh, you know, she's, she's moving along there. I think the
2: birds like put her like little shawl over her nightgown or whatever.
0: Yeah. And, and that I think was a very, very uh, sort of telling of, of who they were as individuals. But I have an opinion about Danny that, uh, and, and I think the film sort of bears this out a little bit, that Danny was not as, as he was, he was somebody who was playing a role as an individual within the construct, the social construct that he lived within. But I don't, I felt like he could always transcend that. Whereas some of the other members of that were not, you know, like Kanicki and stuff like that were, were not able to really do that. And I, I felt like, you know, Dan, when he wanted to run and do all this, but he just did it. And he had that drive. He had that motivation. He seemed to have intelligence and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's these expectations as as a as a man as a male, especially in high school. There's those expectations that you have. You're going to act a certain way. You're going to do these sort of things, and even people you sort of mask who you are. And mm-hmm. there's there's always been there's been some uh, discussions out there by uh, lecturers about that we all wear these masks. Actually, yeah. I think that was in the movie The Mask. Uh, <laughs> oh, <that's- laughs> <laughs> yes ben Stein talks an about academic, <laughs> yes,
2: an academic deep dive of the mask
0: <laughs> yes uh and 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 I think that happens with with Danny in this film, and I think that's why sandy sandy can recognize that because he's he did it when he was on the beach in in his preppy kind of clothes, yeah, he, he could do that he could as, he could assume that role he could assume the role any role that he wanted to he could assume that because he i felt like he had a higher level of intelligence than some of the folks around him, which were.
2: No, that's fascinating. And, you know, like, and it kind of leads into the next sequence of the movie as we start to meet all the characters, right? We start to see Danny in his, you know, home element and we meet the pink ladies for the first time. I feel like you could also make an argument that there's definitely like a social demographic thing. I feel like these kids... Um, you know, are not coming from like really wealthy, happy, solidified homes. It seems like there's a lot of rough stuff going on, and part of getting into these gangs and having this attitude is part of just building a shell to protect yourself and to and to feel like you can get get above, you know, like whatever is going on at home. And I think that that's even fleshed out a little bit with Rizzo. Like you just get the impression that there's a lot of like kind of hurt and there's a lot of hard stuff going on. And so she really just puts everything into being this bad girl who defies expectation. She doesn't care what people think. She just wants to do what she wants when she wants to do it without worrying about the consequences. Um, But then when we get later into the third act of the movie, into her song, you know that there is someone underneath that who is really like, Even though all of these people are clearly grown adults playing high school students um, in in the in the fantasy of the movie, these are high school kids. And so it's it's crazy to to try to remember that they're they're just these young people trying to trying to figure out a way to like navigate. Um, And yeah, I that's such a fascinating way of looking at it.
0: Well, and I think Rizzo, too, is, is she you can definitely tell that she puts on this facade of being this sort of tough you know quote loose person mm-hmm. in, in life because she's just looking for somebody to, to, to love her and I'm not trying to do a deep dive and psychologically you know but I'm I, about I, it I, I well, will I, deep dive musical I, theater I, I, I will in, in this case because the characters are so well developed and the songs match up with that and the way that they convey that within the film it's just like in summer summer nights where they're going back and forth on that of course you have the you know danny's got to be like yeah you know the, the tough and bravado and all this and sandy's you know more of a you know romantic it was he's so sweet he's all these types of things and they they go through that and then at the end you've got danny up on the the bleachers and he's looking out sort of thinking to himself like it it was it was romantic to him as well but he can't say that in the within the construct of of his group he has to be like oh yeah we you know we were very physical and all this kind of stuff but you know at the very end they have that one scene where he's just he's looking out and he's singing and you see that it's like okay that meant something to him more than what what he had to kind of put up with or put up for the other members of his group.
2: Yes, and well, and we're here. We're here at the first like big, big musical number of the movie Summer Nights, which, if my research was correct, is still one of the top karaoke songs to like to date. Um And it's so wonderful. Like you hear those beginning like percussive like notes. I don't even know what instrument it was done on, but you hear like that dun dun. and like pretty much anyone you would talk to would know what song this is and i've been waiting to ask you this question because for as many times as i have seen this movie and listened to this song i still don't think i fully understand is is danny lying because i feel like all the things he's describing are not what actually happened and Sandy wouldn't really have a reason to lie because it was so innocent and she's the girl, you know? Yeah. So is, is he just totally making all of this up? Or like, what, what is the situation with the, the two sides of this story that they're both telling?
0: I, I, I feel like it was that he was lying and I felt like that when I was watching it, but that's that's how teenage boys are. Now he's not, a, obviously not really a teenage boy. <laughs> no, but no, that's a hefty he's five
2: o'clock shadow for a teenage but. boy. <laughs>
0: But that's how teenage boys are. That they will take a handshake or a, a handhold and turn it into a kiss, a kiss into something more. And that and that's just how they how they are. And that's how reputations in high school get get spread. And it's usually not from the from the women. Sometimes it is, but it's especially in this era there where there was a very well defined and rigid sense of masculinity at that mm-hmm. point that he He had to if if he didn't say those things, they would have looked down upon him now, the funny thing is other than Kinnicky and Grizzo because the other ones probably weren't doing any of those other right things. that whole that whole like, dynamic but it, but in that case, I think that he didn't really have a choice and and that's why I think there's that change at the end of the song where he goes over there and he's like oh yeah i i I said that, but i really i really i really like her.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think you're right, because other than what we know Kinnicky's been up to, I think it's, is it Putsy? Later in the movie, um, they're talking at like the diner and he's like, is that all it takes is 15 minutes? Like, he <laughs> fascinated. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I and I feel like within the context of the movie, watching it again, I'm like, I, I'm going to have to take Sandy's version of this as a more accurate description, because there's no way that Danny can really get away with saying we just had this really sweet, romantic time and I didn't feel the need to like, You know push it there because i just enjoyed her company um and okay and this is really funny so i was watching this with jordan and we're getting through this number and there's a part where uh one of the t-birds um i'm I'm blanking at the moment but he's one of the lyrics is did she put up a fight and he was like holy crap like so we're just good with kind of like aggressively like going after women on dates or like raping women on dates like it i and i was like i I'm so familiar with it that I never gave it that much thought. But I was like, "Oh my god!" Like he actually asked him that question in all seriousness. That's and not. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good.
0: No, no. It, it, but it was, it was appropriate for the for the era. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, I and mean, not the behavior was never appropriate. But it, but it that question was appropriate for it, and that's where I was kind of referring to. Well, she. He, tr- he gave it a shot she said no and and he just and in the beginning okay that's you know he tried to talk her into it which you know that's that's still big happens. shock but you know it, <laughs> it's but he didn't he didn't he didn't get overly aggressive after that and so actions and words are two different things right so it's he he kind of Im- implies that or it's implied that he he had some sort of relations with her maybe sexually or not and well we know that that's probably not the case but because of the way that it was going on and back you know back then with that group maybe there was just more of a an acceptable thing at least to have said it um not maybe you know obviously not to to do that it was not acceptable it happened but it wasn't acceptable
2: right well and it's just so funny because in this number again it's it's iconic and it's iconic for a reason I love everything about this number but also from like to to the discredit question mark is that the right word of Danny? I'm like oh so you have this like meaningful summer with this girl but then you go back home because you don't know she's around and you kind of like make it sound so cheap kind of you know just to protect your own reputation and kind of keep um, kind of you know like stay in like in that position in your social circle but I'm like Oh, lying, lying, and saying all kinds of stuff. Um, but teenagers hashtag being young.
0: That's that's a guy thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and it and it is because there's that's just that. I wouldn't
2: like, please. Yeah. I I'm and, genuinely and, fascinated and, and by and that. And it really
0: is. I mean, and I can remember, you know, as a as a young. I was seventeen. So my my high school girlfriend and I met the summer between my junior and senior year. Aww. and yeah, it was kind of like that. And she was she was fifteen. I was seventeen. Okay. And 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 it was one of those things like we, it was a very innocent type relationship. You know, it's was like the first person I really kissed and and that kind of thing. And and, and it, it went on for a while. Like our relationship went on for for a little while. But it, it was if you'd heard what i said my versions of <laughs> like to my friends who were you know all of them asking yeah, yeah. asking things like that it was a lot different about it. it's like oh yeah you know we and it was it was like veiled references sure and things like that you know it's not you know,
2: like full-blown lying yeah like, make
0: up your own you know make up your own uh decision on but on,
2: you're not uh, not implying it
0: right and you know whatever they infer that's on them but it's I and I, but in my mind as I'm sitting there I feel like oh you know we'd write each other right like letters Three or four times a week because we because we lived across town from each other. We didn't go to the same high school and
2: before texting, ladies and gentlemen, handwritten letters like
0: five page letters too, oh about what's gone on the last you sap. two days. Yeah, but it would be like little hearts and things oh like God. that. And
2: you heard it here, folks. Yeah, from from the horse's mouth, little hearts.
0: And that was a big part of this uh, for for me. But that's just a good, that's just the example I have of. You know, what I was feeling and, and communion with her was different than what I had to say to my friends because, you know, their opinion mattered to me. And now I, I you know, I wouldn't lie about that stuff, but it's but then it was a completely different world. You know? Totally. And and I don't know how, how women or girls are like that. But for guys, that is a that is a big like a big part. Sandy,
2: Teddy? So the last thing I'll say on this song specifically, because I feel like this is a theme that will come up pretty much across the board through, th- through the rest of the movie and all of the musical numbers, is that you do have kind of these crude or maybe questionable like lyrics or like text um, like within the song, but there's something about the way they've choreographed it and filmed it that it just plays as fun. Like, and i think this is why you know like a young person a really young person could watch this and have no idea that there's anything that adult being said or done because it's just a a blast like like for all the things that danny is implying about his summer with sandy i'll i'll be damned if it's not a great to watch all of them like dancing around on the bleachers and just like having <laughs> yes. having this back and forth it's fantastic
0: it 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 really is and and to start off kind of the the, the film and introduce it because it really introduces the characters and the groups in one song you get an idea of what the groups are you get you get a really good introduction to to rizzo mm-hmm. uh you get a good introduction to the the t-birds the you get all that and i think that's a really good way for this for this film to start off and that was a perfect song i mean i went to number five it was a it was a very popular song in those days. It still is now. Like you said, karaoke. Now I think the only reason why no, why you're the one I want is not number one in karaoke is because nobody knows exactly what they're saying in the middle <laughs> part of the song, <laughs> in the in the chorus. So, Fair enough. So I think that's that's the only reason. Now, they're, they're equally catchy, but
2: well, and and it, well, and this you're the one that I want. I oh, I so many thoughts. I love it, um, but. So right after this song concludes, we get this little segue. And this was something I didn't notice until I watched the movie when I was older, that there's this little exchange and you're let in on the fact that Rizzo and Danny used to date and that they broke up and that she's still like you can tell that she's still kind of embittered about that. And that's the impetus for how like why they want to take Sandy at the bonfire and kind of like throw her at danny and show the two of them that they that they're going to the same school because she knows that whatever version sandy thinks she knows of this person is is not the person she's going to meet there and and then there's and we can talk about the scene more with the bonfire and the the cheerleading and all the the antics and we first see Grease lightning um on the scene the the fixer-upper supreme um but yeah there's like once Sandy's, you know, gotten really upset and thrown her pom poms and storms off, uh, there's like this little exchange, um, a look between Danny and, and Rizzo. And he's very aware of of what she just did on well, purpose.
0: And, and there is that sort of that that dynamic with with Sandy and, and Rizzo and and Danny. It's like it's, it's throughout the entire thing. We're together. We're not together. We don't like each other. We like each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where you know all these changes come in, and why wants to wants to change, wants to do all these, these things for her. But you know, there's a, still that sort of bitterness. Maybe it's bitterness of of her and and Danny because she knows. I mean, I think based on my opinion, which I think is right.
2: Really? She,
0: <laughs> yeah, she knows that Danny is much more. Like Kanicki's like probably going to be a. Uh, you know, a, a low mechanic, not like you know a skilled mechanic, but a, you know a low mechanic somewhere. Probably make it barely scraping by, and Danny might actually have a future doing something. He's mm. smart enough that whatever he goes into, even if it's not college or something like that, that he'll 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 be able to be successful in that, and it's it's recognizable um, in that. And
2: well, and and to your point, this also sets up this this dynamic that we'll see through the rest of the movie with Rizzo and Sandy. And I think Rizzo really resents this because she has, you know, found her confidence and found her claim to fame in the world by being like the bad girl, not right. being afraid of. Rumors, not being afraid of how her behavior looks, and that's like her sense of security. And so to have the guy that she really likes turn around and have much deeper feelings for like the good girl, the innocent one, she goes to school, she wears pretty little poodle skirts, and she's so sweet. And I, yeah, I can see easily why Rizzo would would have such a hard time accepting that and accepting Sandy into, into their friend group.
0: And Rizzo just wants to be loved. I think overall, ultimately, oh, that's, totally. that's all she wants. Just like anybody, but I think in her case, she's not getting it yet at home. I mean, I don't know her home life. Maybe in the prequel that we're going to get...
2: Ooh, question mark?
0: ...that they will go into that a little bit more. Well, we'll see. Rise of yeah, yeah, the Pink Ladies or right, something like that. Yes,
2: yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like, where do these kids come from? What What is the deal?
0: And I'm curious. I'm curious about that uh, because I think that might... You know, we may, could, could be completely wrong but I don't think so I think she definitely has that her, her actions her you know sort of the, her mentality really screams that I'm not getting what I need at home so I'm going to get it here with you know hopefully Danny Danny seems like a, a better guy than Kanicki is like I mean I <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah Kaneki. yeah I mean he means well <laughs> He seems to mean well in his own way.
0: I just—he's just not as smart. I think. As, no, as, he's not as Danny is, and or as driven. Yeah, and I think that's the—that's the difference, and that's what really sets those two apart.
2: Well, and it's—it's it's fascinating to watch because definitely in the T-Birds you have this dynamic that's set up very quickly that Danny is the leader. Like even though him and Kanicki are kind of like a first and a second, which mm-hmm. will come back before Thunder Road. Um, they really all just gravitate toward Danny. He seems to be be the only one who like has a sense of how to like handle a situation or how to keep the group cohesive. Like Kaniki is not the guy to be in charge.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. He's he's impulsive, and leadership is with impulsiveness is not. Uh, they they don't mix together really well.
2: Right. And okay, so now we've segued. So you know, Danny does not show the best side of himself at the bonfire and makes a, you know, mockery of everything and now we're we're at this sleepover that Frenchie invited Sandy to to make her feel better cuz she's just so heartbroken that this like nice guy from the beach is actually a jerk. Um and, and and we're now we're yeah, we are at this sleepover which I don't know if this scene in this film is where this widespread notion among the male population started that Whenever girls have sleepovers, they're always in their underwear. I've heard this so many times, and I'm like, I cannot think of a single time.
0: Don't ruin that, this.
2: That, and that's what every guy says when I say, I'm I'm sorry to tell you that I've never seen that happen in my life. But but there they are. They they, you know, have cigarettes, they have their their wine, their imported their imported dessert wine and Twinkies and they're in their underwear just, you know, hanging out, and they're going to try to introduce Sandy to, to some of, like, the, the bad girl stuff, but it doesn't go very well. Not for her. No. She gets sick so fast. <laughs> poor thing. I'm, like, drinking, smoking, um, and then what is it? Frenchie decides she's going to pierce her ears. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor thing.
0: Is that really—I've heard about that. Does that really— do girls really pierce each other's ears with, like, ice cubes and Again, needle? Again,
2: I've seen this in movies, even, even more recent movies that, like, I grew up with. But no, like, I don't know if I just wasn't hanging out with the right people, but none of us ever thought about punching holes in our bodies with needles, like, <laughs> on our own. I don't, I don't think any of us would have trusted each other to do that. But I have heard of it happening.
0: I, I've heard of it, too. It's more I... likely
2: than the underwear. I'm just, I need to make that clear. All yeah. you listeners out there, please let me tell you the truth. <laughs> About this,
0: what about the pillow fights? Does that no? No.
2: I well, no. I mean, With it, the
0: feathers everywhere. No. That's, I hmm.
2: again. I don't. Greece was part of, of this like Hollywood conspiracy to create this this fantasy that I yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Sandy is now in the bathroom getting sick. Her ears are bleeding. This poor thing is just having a a terrible night. And then we we get Rizzo's first song, Look at Me, I'm Sandra D.
0: And that, I thought to me, well, it's one of two that that she sings in the song. So it's one of the few that aren't sung by Shanana, Danny, or Sandy. Yep. Uh, She has two leads. She does. And that's uh, one of the, this is the first one. And this says a lot now that we've kind of discussed and broken down Rizzo's psychological state and uh, pretty much destroyed her character for you but <laughs> one this one see now it kind of makes more sense to why she's so bitter in it and trying to tear her down it's resentment it's not that i just generally i just don't like this person and what they stand for which could you know which could be and on the surface i think it looks like that it's just like i don't like people like this you know it's like yeah, no yeah. she resents her existence and i think a lot of it ties into to Danny and the fact that she resents what what a pairing of her and Danny represents in the in the future like what that pair could be compared to now what she's in and especially mm. what happens with her and Kanicki and, and all that where it's you know thank goodness but it's I think that song really represents that really well but you know the interesting thing about that is that when she gets called out on it she doesn't like, she doesn't double down on it.
2: In, yeah, she's true.
0: She's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that type of thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, like, oh, okay. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm being a jerk. I'll own it yeah. a little bit. Um, and like, and even within this song, again, it it's really fun. They have all the wigs. I guess Frenchie owns a lot of wigs. Um, And they're just dancing around. There's all kinds of fun pop culture references, you know, within the song of, you know, famous figures at the time. And actually, I, for the longest time, thought that Sandra D was actually just like a a funny way of of saying Sandy. But Sandra D is a real person and was a real star and did represent this super blonde, sweet, wholesome, good girl, the girl you want to bring home to mom and dad kind of a thing. Um, So, yeah, really, like, she really is just... I think venting some frustration
0: (laughs) and 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 understandably i mean i think she even even her i think she comes from a different background than the rest of the girls even in there like even when we're talking about them being social kind of not from like a very high class quote high class background yeah i think she comes from an even not higher class. I would, I would completely
2: agree. She she's the roughest yeah, of the bunch.
0: I think she's a little out of her element with even with Frenchy because it's a nice house. It's it's uh, it's a, it's a nice enough house. It's it, the has got everything that you know a teenager would need at that era. I mean, so that obviously it's a a somebody who has some sort of means, which I don't think that's what her existence is like. Yeah. And then so it's it's. She's, she's a little bit out there, but I think—and there's some resentment to that, too, uh, I think, I feel.
2: Well, and, and I'll quickly touch on this because I know we have so much of this movie to go. This is a long episode, you guys. Um, strap in. But— <laughs> Um, I think w- within the scene of this whole sleepover, you really nail down the dynamic of this group. Frenchie is, I think by far, the like the sweetest one. Like she's the one who takes Sandy under her wing. And even though she's like part of kind of this bad girl group and maybe she has a little bit of experience or, you know, isn't, you know, considered like one of the like upright and proper girls, she's she's definitely doesn't strike me as as like a rough, like naughty kind of person. Right. Like she's she's just, she's... She's a good egg. Um, I love her. And Didi Khan is, is so wonderful with that voice and with her look. And they, they nailed it. Um, Jan is definitely the goofball. Like, most of the movie, I was like, why is Jan in this cool girl group? Like, she's kind of a dork. <laughs> like, she has pigtails. She's always eating junk food like Oreos and Twinkies. And she's, like, mimicking, like, the, what is it, like, a beaver on some sort of, like, toothpaste commercial or something. <laughs> like, she's kind of an idiot. I'm just going to say it. Like, Jan is an idiot. And... And yet, she's part of like this elite group of like pink ladies. And then you've got Marty, who I think is really the kind of the old soul. Like she seems to be really interested in older men and what's going to happen after high school. And it's like it's always about who she's dating, who she can get with. Um, and oh, then, she's
0: interested in older men. Does that come up later in the film? Uh,
2: oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about a couple things as we get closer to the dance. But yes. That does come up. And then, of course, as we've talked about Rizzo, she's definitely, like, the edgiest of the group. And really, her identity is sort of built on really, go, like, taking the line and just jumping right over it. Right. And then, so then we get the boys. Um, they drive up. And then, you know, Rizzo's like, I'm going to, you know, get my kicks while I'm young enough to get them. She, she, she goes down the side of the house, down the trellis. And this is when we first see her and Kanicki kind of con- connect so to speak.
0: Yeah, you could say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's such a weird dynamic watching it as an adult, as a kid, you're just like, okay, whatever, like whatever the movie does, I go with. But I'm like, okay, how, so within the confines of the group, everyone is sort of paired off-ish, but her and Danny were paired off at one point, but they're not together. So now, She's kind of hand-selected Kanicki and he's kind of into it. Like he just is like goes for the ride, and they get in his car, and they go off, and that's the start of their whole thing. It, it I don't know. Like it, it's so interesting. Like, do groups do this? Or I, I've never seen anything like it in a movie other than Grease.
0: I haven't either, other than like Saved by the Bell. But <laughs> it's it where you have these groups and everybody just sort of pairs off except Lisa and say by the bell, she did screech. That would have been weird, <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I had a group and my high school girlfriend, she had her group and we didn't really hang out together as groups. I hung out with her and I hung out with my group and she hung out with her group. And I don't really like, I mean, I don't know. We, we didn't, we didn't really have like a hangout place for, you know, or we used to go like a, uh, some sort of diner or something like that. But, and I, I tried to do that. I, I I said one time, I was like, "Hey, starting this year, junior year of high school, we're gonna." Because I had friends at other high schools, like, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna meet at the burger place. That's and it, it was a burger place. I don't remember the name of it. It's like we're gonna meet here every day after school and we're gonna hang out because you know Saved by the Bell was out. And That's what they were doing, you know, at the max. <laughs> so I, I guess you, said, you know I I digress, I digress again, <laughs> but. This is what I do. I have ADHD. Leave me alone. And but, uh,
2: I understand completely.
0: And and it lasted like one for our thing. It lasted like one, I think one day, maybe two days. And then we were like, nah, I don't want to make the effort to go all the way down there and spend money every single day. Like, right. none of us have like real jobs or anything. I had a I had a paper route for a while that I that I. Didn't even collect from people until I needed money. And then I just got up and I was like, yeah, you owe 850. And then you just write me a check or give me a cash. Okay, thanks. Didn't you just collect like two weeks ago? Well, that was for the previous month. This is for this month. You know, because it's... Wow.
2: Split, you know. Okay.
0: But, Crafty. Yeah. But anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. But I... It's fine. In this situation, it, it I kind of thought about that, that if that people were pairing off except for... <laughs> you know, except for the other like kind of lowly characters they didn't really um is the same way. It,
2: right, it's like are they together aren't they? It's it's really kind of unclear in the movie if if these are all couples cuz you know like Frenchie and what is it Duty and Duty. Go, are at the dance together. Marty doesn't want to go with the other one, the Italian looking one. Right, right. Uh Putsy is there with Jan. It seems like they kind of have a little thing going on, but it's not And then, yeah. And
0: I'm going to count the steps and leave me alone. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. (laughs) So so that scene is lovely on so many levels. But, yeah, it's weird. Guy question. Guy question time with Rich.
0: Oh, we need a theme song for that.
2: Guy
3: question. uh,
0: Go ahead. Is
2: is that the whole... I thought you maybe had a couple more bars for your theme. Well, I'll
0: have somebody sing it. I'll have a a group sing it. And then we'll get, like, a little theme for it.
2: excellent. Guy questions with Rich. So... (laughs) Again, so Rizzo and Kinicky kind of connect, you know, down, like they decide to go on this date and they're going to go off together. Danny decides that he's not going to try to talk to Sandy and just wants to wander off and mope by himself. And um, in can you think of a situation in which you would have dated a girl and then been kind of fine? Like, oh, we broke up so my best friend can, can go off and date her. Like, these are a very interesting group of friends. I feel like that's not anything I've ever run into where it's like, yeah, sure, you can. You can have her. <laughs> I don't
0: think so. I, I think that would be very awkward. In you know when we were out to tea or something like that. I think we would. That, that would be very tough to experience. Like see, like my my best friend with with another girl. Unless I really didn't care about her.
2: Well, and I couldn't figure it out when I was watching it because at first I feel like she's doing it to make Danny jealous. And then he could care less, and just walks off. And so then she kind of just dub- like doubles down and commits to it. And I'm like, so does she actually like him, or was this just like a ploy to get Danny's attention gone wrong? But she's just going to go for the go for the ride. <laughs> based <laughs> Again, on her so to actions, speak. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> based okay.
0: on yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yep. All did right that? Now. Yeah, you did a thing.
2: I did, yep. And did. Uh,
0: based on her actions later in the film, I, I would say that she. She will try to play that role. I think that's that's just that she does like that. She likes the attention because she doesn't get it, obviously. We've we've really, like, analyzed her, but I I think based on, you know, at the dance, we haven't gotten to the dance yet, but uh, those actions, things like that, I mean, that's—they do that to each other. Like, I think— He likes that attention. She likes that attention. Knicky and her, not so much Danny. Danny, I don't think, cares. And I think he's kind of in the same boat that I would have been in the situation. I really didn't care about this girl. Like, I was only, you know, dating her because I had nothing else to do. Um, (laughs) Poor Rizzo. Which (sighs) is possible.
2: Yeah, Um, no, no kidding. Those two do not match at all.
0: And and I I think we've all been in sort of quasi-relationships like that where it's like, well, you know, I don't dislike them enough not to be with them. But I don't really like them enough that if we broke up, I'd be completely sad about it. I think that's kind of what was going on there. Danny, Danny's moved on. He's he's in love with San, Sandy. He doesn't care. Oh yeah. Uh, but she isn't, and she's used or she hasn't, and she's using this as a situation for her to to try to. Get that back, but she's not going to because he, he doesn't is, care. He's
2: done, yeah. It, it that ship has sailed,
0: and I think she gets that realization, uh, eventually, and that's where she's where the Kanicki thing comes in. And then she's like, Oh, well, I'm just gonna play this game with him later on. In the
2: film. And what's fun, though, what works out really well is I think that those two personalities actually ma- match so much better, and it, it turns out to be a really good thing because I think those two suit each other so much more in a lot of ways. Than her and Danny. Very different movie, if if it's a Rizzo-Danny movie. No, I, I don't want to watch that, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. And now, okay, so now, um, at the sleepover, uh, Rizzo-Kinicki go off, and now we're getting uh, the first of two original songs written for this movie that are in no existence anywhere in the stage version, hopelessly devoted to you, which came about because they you know they were like we've got olivia newton john she's this like up and coming pop star we really should write something specifically so that she can kind of have a showboat moment and so the whole song was written just to give olivia this this vocal moment and this solo moment in the movie and it it totally works it's a great song
0: so it was they were contractually obligated for her to have a Single song, uh, solo.
2: Okay. Uh, in, yeah. In that makes movie. sense.
0: So, yeah, that was one of those ones that was very interesting because they had already like filmed half the movie and they had this contractual obligation to have her have a solo song in it, which ended up being a big hit for her, by the way. She still sings it at concerts. Oh, and it's,
2: stuff. I was listening to it on the drive over here. It's, it's great. It, and it, she, she kills it. She it does absolutely such a good job.
0: And so they wrote that with, uh, her producer and and the yep. one guy they wrote that song for her, and you're right. I mean, it was let's let's give her a good song. It's and it was you're right. It's not it doesn't show up anywhere else, and they kind of had to it together in, in a, it, at this point in the film.
2: Well, and if you want to talk about, you know, like like theater versus film um, and music, it's it's really interesting because it makes sense to me with you saying that, you know, her team kind of came in and, and worked on crafting the song, especially like just for her and her, her voice and her style, because a lot of the other songs in Greece have a very musical theater kind of quality, um, not only in the way that they're written and lyricized, but also in in like the vocal approach. This song, while it does have that very like lovely soft 50s feel is so much more a pop song to me than it is like a music theater standard. Like this is not something that I would think to see in like a female classics vocal book. Like it really does capture Olivia's like pop, pop star kind of feel. And I think she delivers it as such. And it's but it, it, it doesn't Unless you really think about it and, you know, note the difference, it is just as entertaining as anything in the movie. And she does. Yeah, it, it totally worked the way that they intended it to.
0: Well, Felicia, I could talk about this for hours and hours, and I have a feeling we're probably going to end up doing that. So we are going to split this into two parts because there's just so much to talk about with Greece, And I'm looking forward to to that.
2: Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be really fun. Um, it's great that so early on in our in our podcast venture we're getting to do a part one and part two. But yeah, for Greece not being that long of a movie, there is so much to unpack. And yeah, I can't I can't wait to uh, to take that get. We'll do this in volumes. Greece, volume one. I'm and volume two. I'm so excited.
0: So we'll see you, or have you listened to us uh, here coming up soon?